Okay, so can we talk about something? Please, yes. So I've noticed an odd driving oh, no. behavior or habit of yours. Oh, no. Since you moved to the U.S. <sighs> okay. And I've been meaning to talk about it, and I don't want to say that I've been saving it for the podcast. Mm-hmm, but you've been saving it. But I've been it. saving right. it for the, sure. for the podcast. I've noticed that every time we get in a vehicle. Okay. Either vehicle. Either vehicle. And 80s on 8 is on, which is a fantastic serious uh, station. Okay. And Billy Ocean is on. Uh huh. You immediately change the station. Well, I mean, he's the songbird of our generation. <laughs> wow, maybe your generation. You know what? Let's just start the podcast. <laughs> Midwest charm. Welcome to the third episode of the Double Booked Podcast, Third Time's a Charm. I am Kristen Hancock, and I am joined by the charming Chuck Ghost. Hello, everyone. And notice there's no Billy Ocean there, joining us And there today. will not ever be, so that's great. It's very upsetting. Yeah, we can move on from that. I would say of the things that we argue about, if we truly have an argument, most of the time it's pop culture related. Would it's, you say that? It's absolutely <laughs> pop culture related. Because your taste in music and movies is just terrible. More refined. Oh, okay. okay. I think that's the word you were right. You meant to say instead of terrible. Was Dude, refined. where's my car is award winning. So, Yeah, I would like to on. know that award. <laughs> best movie Can ever. Can you look it up on yeah, the line? Yeah, I won an Academy Award for, for best movie ever. In a comedy situation. Featuring a drive through Featuring, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't believe that's one of the few movies I've seen in theaters. Dude, where's you my car? You might have been the only person to see it in theaters. Ashton Kutcher is quite thankful <laughs> that you showed up it that paid. night. It was good. I liked it. Whatever. Move on. Um, speaking of arguing, the thing I've learned since starting this podcast with you is that my skin is not thick enough for podcast reviews. Mm, it's it, well, you know, we see that from time to time. Anytime you put yourself out there, mm-hmm. there are people who will sometimes destroy you. I was gonna say <laughs> sometimes some adequate critiques, sure, like you know, some helpful feedback, and other times not so much. So yeah, maybe maybe through that refinement that we talked about uh-huh. earlier, I do have a thicker skin. You do. You, I think you do anyway. I think even without the, the higher quantity of content you've produced and shows and things, I think your skin is just thicker. I, I don't know if Americans just have thicker skin than Canadians. I'm just too... So the, where this is coming from, was it after our first or second episode? Mm, I think we noticed it after the second. Okay, so after the second episode, we noticed that our... Apple podcast rating was a 4.5. So, of course, then I questioned who gave us less than five stars to drop the rating and the average from five to whatever. 
So apparently you can go in the back end and see these things or, or what, how many people have given you which stars. Is that how we figured that out? Yes. So then we determined and we saw that someone gave us three stars. I was like, that's, that's a bit harsh because we also know how many people have listened to the podcast and it's not thousands of people. And for the first couple of episodes, we're pretty confident that most of the people who've listened to this podcast are people who know us. So we're like, well, that's, I was thinking that's strange. And of course, because I don't have a thick skin, I'm like a little hurt by it and then internalizing it, of course, and beating myself up over it. Fast forward. So now I have the, the, the truth of the matter is I know who gave us three stars. So fast forward a week or two after, maybe even a few days after the second podcast, and I am talking to my mother. And just wait, the story gets better. And I, so my mom, for people who don't know, still lives in Canada because of the border shutdown. I have not seen her since February, in person, we've FaceTimed and things, uh, since February. So we talk regularly. So we're talking about this podcast. And I said, I can't believe that it's, it's crazy to think that this is happening. We've talked about it for so long. It's so much fun. We got to keep doing it. And my mom said something about, oh, yeah, I love listening. It's so great. And I said, well, make sure you give us a good review and not one of those three star reviews as a joke. And she says, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry about that. I'm like, what? So when you tap on the stars on Apple Podcasts to review it, she thought that you had to tap like up to get five. She didn't think she didn't realize you could just tap on the fifth star. She thought you'd have to like go up and it was too late and it registered her three star review. <laughs> and see, it's funny when, <laughs> when you shared that with me, because I'm the most positive person, you know, no. mm-hmm. yeah, I would three stars is better than one star. That's factually accurate. And, but that's, that's now funny. So I did not know that that's who it was because yes. you held that from me. Yes, I did. Did not know who that it's was my until mom. we learned it. It wow. is my mom. And I I don't even... I think she, if she listens to this episode, she will be mortified because she felt so bad. Because she so, didn't realize it registers it. She's like, I went back in and gave it five the next time. I'm like, it's fine, mom. It's, so that's, that's an interesting... It's actually a better story now. <laughs> it's an interesting thing to talk about, though, because in no other line of business does the average person seemingly get rated by strangers Mm, interesting you don't you i guess people could add that to blog posts people could you don't see your linkedin profile people giving you stars for your linkedin profile (laughs) and i get that even music on apple Podcasts doesn't you don't rate it by Mm. stars so it's interesting that that's been added to podcasting with a star rating and maybe it's because otherwise you have hardly any data whatsoever but because it seems like everybody gets gives five stars not every podcast is out there's a five-star podcast this is not a five-star podcast so i appreciate that we got a ding in our armor yeah early on yeah from my mother and from whoever (laughs) but because i i see all the great podcasts out there Mm -hmm. There are jerks that give, well, I didn't like that topic mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And they get one star, two star. So they don't have five stars. Yep. So I think it gives us more credibility. So thank you, Kristen's mom, for, <laughs> for giving, giving us that ding early on. Uh, there's only going up. 
Keeping us humble. That's right. Keeping us humble. That's right. Being with the people. Yeah. That's that's the three-star story on our third episode. So that's fitting, I guess. It is very fitting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind it. I don't mind it. Uh, I noticed the other day in our conversation about travel uh, that we have not had any... Was We have not traveled anywhere. Most people have not. Hopefully you have not. Uh, I'm questioning whether your hotel snobbiness is going to dissipate mm. or if it's only going to increase. So for those that aren't familiar... I appreciate a really great hotel. Mm-hmm. I have... This is how he frames it. Carry on. I have very high expectations of the hotel experience, not from a fancy level. This is true. From a service level. So there are... I'm a loyal Hilton Honors mm-hmm. member. have been for a number of years. Diamond princess floofy pants status. Yep. I am happy to stay at a Hampton Inn. True. There are many great Hampton Inns mm-hmm. across this country. There are also many great Conrads <laughs> across this country and other hotels. And Waldorfs. And Waldorfs. And, right, right. And Palmer Houses sure. and Drake's mm-hmm. and, and places like that. So I, I'm looking forward to that day mm-hmm. when we can check into a hotel again. And you started off by saying people aren't traveling. And the scary part is there are people who are. I know. I see it. We judge you all if you're traveling right now. And I, well, you say we. I don't judge people. I shamelessly it. judge you if you're traveling right now because I can't. And I'm being responsible and not going home to see my mother who I haven't seen since February. I, I wonder the, the, the motives behind it and there's obviously different kinds of traveling there's people that are getting their car and driving to places and being safe and when i see what air travel looks like as someone who traveled somewhat frequently in the past Mm -hmm. very frequently i have zero interest in getting on a plane and so my big question is when will we get back to traveling again I go and, ahead. And it's not going to look like it did before. No. But when will it feel comfortable and safe? Yeah. Again, I don't I don't know when that's going to be. I don't think it's ever going to feel comfortable and safe like it did pre-pandemic. I think we're going to have to redefine what comfort is in air, specifically with air travel. I did read an article today that said they don't expect the air travel industry does not expect to get back to levels, the pre-pandemic levels of travel till 2024, which doesn't shock me. That seems like a very long time. It is a long time, but doesn't shock me. I think I wonder, so I would say, agree or disagree, that the previous incident that changed air travel most dramatically would be 9-11. I is that fair? That. Okay. I wonder if pre-9-11, now the difference is 9-11, as you've described it, was, what do you describe it as a... A A tornado. Tornado. And the pandemic is more like a flood. flood. So when this tornado of 9-11 happened, it was sudden and instant. And you couldn't have, you didn't really get the chance to debate, well, what's it going to look like? It was more more quick, I guess, that that changes happened. But now we have a chance to sit back and wonder... Oh, what is it going to look like? I don't want to travel if I have to wear a mask or I don't want to travel if I have to sit, you know, away from my spouse or whatever that looks like. I wonder if we had known pre-September 11th, 2001, 
that you were going to have to have all these dramatic changes through security. If people might have said, oh, I don't want to have to travel if I'm going to have to take my shoes off and walk through detectors and all, all these kinds of things. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, I think the 9-11 comparison is, is one where it was a, a shift yeah. in behavior. And it did, I think, back to what flying was like pre-9-11. It almost seems naive mm. of that anybody could check in through security. Sure. Any, that's when you had those crazy families at the gates. People come off yes. planes and they block <laughs> yeah. the gates yeah. and you couldn't get off your flight. That that changed. Yeah. And obviously with this, flying behaviors will change. What I'm curious to find out is... I'm, I'm skewing the numbers here, but mm. it was something along these lines. That business travelers were only 10 to 20% of the volume, but they paid for 70 or 80% of the spend. I've heard that, yeah. So that shows them with, with businesses not traveling mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons, all very good reasons, those business travelers not there, will air travel return to what all of us learned from what we saw from those black and white videos from the 50s and 60s Mm. where it was more of a luxury to be able Mm. to fly instead of it being oh do we drive or do we fly is is flying does flying go back to becoming a luxury because these airlines aren't going to be able to charge hundred dollars round trip anymore right if the planes are a third full yeah out there but it has been good to see I think a couple of the airlines will keep them nameless. Name responded, them. I think, somewhat <laughs> arrogantly early on around the pandemic, saying they were going to block middle seats, and then no, we're not going to block middle seats. It's been good to see an airline like Delta not just stick to that policy again, mm-hmm. loyal Delta flyer, but then stick to the policy. To the point of we read an article about a flight from Detroit to Atlanta that got in the air and then turned around. Wow. Because two people on the plane would not put their mask on. Who are you? So imagine the anger. I was angry reading this thinking about if I was an, a yes. person who maybe didn't want to fly in the first place, but had to get from Detroit to Atlanta or to connect somewhere. Yeah. We get up and then oh. have to land oh. because you won't wear a mask for what is probably... What is that, a two-hour flight? Not even. Okay. I'm, it's probably yeah. an hour 15 right. in the air flight. You right. will not wear a mask. And I can't... Kudos to the... I'm sure the flight attendants, the captain, oh, the crew, yeah. everybody on there. But the anger of those passengers. But maybe they felt better knowing, okay, this airline is doing the right thing. I feel better knowing that a flight would do that. I'm not saying that I wouldn't be absolutely irate if I was on that plane, I would be. But I appreciate that Delta is sticking to their policy of looking out for every other person on that aircraft that that is wearing a mask and is following the rules and is trying to keep themselves safe and keep other people safe as well. I don't understand who, who you are as a person that you, I, I, it doesn't surprise me that somebody made a stink about it and said, I'm not wearing a mask. We see this all the time. It doesn't surprise me that even maybe, I don't know at what point if they were, it was must have been after takeoff if they turned around and landed back in Detroit, that you stuck to that so strongly that you knew they were turning the airplane around and you still refused to wear a mask. 
And you're not getting on another flight. No, you are not. And you shouldn't. So my my not so proud moment as I was as I was reading that article and thinking about those other passengers on the plane. I'm not saying I would do this. Oh boy. But if <laughs> I was on that plane and that the, one of those people were walking up, yeah. I would want to trip them. Yeah. That's I'm surprised it's not worse. I was expecting something worse from you. <laughs> like maybe leave my shoulder out in the uh-huh. aisle a little uh-huh. bit to mm-hmm. shoulder ch- I, I I Maybe your water spills a little bit or something. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I know. Who knows? It's yeah. a crazy time. It is a crazy time. Luckily for us, we like staying home now because of our new furry family member who is snoring in the corner right now and curled up on his expensive dog bed. Uh, B-Dog. And I'm sure most of, if you follow any either one of us on Instagram, Twitter, anywhere, you've seen pictures of him. So we did something last night. I don't, I'm not going to call it crazy. It was out there. Some people might Some think people it's a might call crazy. it crazy. So I, my uh, scale of crazy is pretty skewed because I've done... Every possible tarot, astrology, psychic, mediums, you name it. I've had the readings. I've got the receipts. I would do them again. Um, I'm super fascinated by all of those kinds of interesting connections with the, the bigger universe. So I found this woman in Indiana who is a pet psychic. She's an animal communicator. And we had a reading last night for B-Dog. And I think it was fascinating. It was cool. I, I always saw this as one of those items you would see on TV and it would have the asterisk that was like for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> and then you met me and you were like, oh, people actually well, do this shit. <laughs> but it, it, it was interesting because part of our challenge with, with B-Dog is he is a 12-year-old boy mm-hmm. who had a life long life prior to us that mm-hmm. we were not privy to knowing how many homes he'd been in or what were his previous owners like or the circumstances of how he ended up in a shelter. Mm-hmm. And that didn't impact us getting him. We love him. He's now a part of our family. Yep. But we were still curious of what what was his story. You and I are both storytellers. So yeah. we wanted to be able to tell his story. And we didn't know what that story was. Yeah. This woman was able to share with us, I would say, his his entire history of the many homes that he had been in and the one previous to us that was his longest residence, what it was like, um, you know, what what the home was like, what the owner was like, um, that the reason he ended up in a shelter was that the owner passed away um, and that B-Dog was there when he passed away and that it was very traumatic and... It's, yeah, it's given us a lot of, even some of his behaviors with, you know, feeling like he kind of needs to protect us. And then when she explained that this previous owner had had him as somewhat of a guard dog, and then it kind of made sense. Oh, that's why, you know. Apparently there was a cat that tormented him too, which is funny because he really doesn't like cats. It's, it's pro- That's probably a narrative in a, in a lot of dog that's fair. stories. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's probably true. But it, it did help peace the puzzle together mm-hmm. of B-Dog mm-hmm. and, and tell that story of who his history is and something I did not know about pet psychics, animal whisperers, <laughs> this community is that as we know, dogs do not talk. They do not speak English. Right. So they communicate through images. Mm-hmm. And so that's how B-Dog was 
communicating communicating yeah. with her through these images and it was fascinating to hear the detail in some cases yes but much like our own memories after a long time yeah it gets probably a little vague a little spotty afterward especially when you're 12 years old uh, 12 year old boy so that that was that was helpful for us to understand what role do we play in his life based on his his previous life and you know maybe explain some of those things that what is he trying to tell us yeah that was probably the best question you asked was asked was saying to her what what is he trying to tell us that we are not getting or that we're not hearing and her answer was really nothing other than he just feels overwhelming relief Mm -hmm. and that's pretty cool and that's that was a a like a sad part of the the story that we heard is that when we adopted B-Dog, the uh, shelter volunteers and workers that were there were thrilled mm-hmm. that he found a home. They told us that they thought that would be his final spot, that he may not find a home given yeah. his age and size. He's <laughs> also a big, a big guy, about 100 pounds. And that the um, pet psychic told us he thought the same thing. Yeah. That he thought he was part of a bonded pair. When the other, when his friend got adopted, he thought, well, this is it for me. This is where I'm going to be. And that we never second guessed or doubted our decision anytime. But hearing that story only cemented it more in my brain and heart that we did the absolute best thing for for him. Yes. And I cried because that's how I roll. So, you know. <laughs> I don't know how you don't cry when you hear something like that, but it was a very cool experience. And thank you for being open-minded. Well, and it, it explained even, we know that he loves, even here in the Midwest when it's upper 80s and low 90s and it's crazy humidity, he loves being outside. He loves being in that sun. Mm-hmm. And the lady told us without us telling her that. True. Told us that his past owner, who he did like, uh, lived very simply. That B Dog spent a lot of time tied up outside, yeah. and so that's what he's used to. That's his comfort zone. Um, right now, he is curled up on one of his many beds <laughs> in the house, uh, so he is comfortable there too. But he does like being outside, and it's it's connecting those dots and having those pieces yeah. that help explain yeah. who he is. Yeah. No different than you and I each having our own tendencies and reactions yes. to things. Yes. Baggage claims, etc. On on our past podcast episodes, like we've had many, there have been two. Uh, we have talked about Black Lives Matter. We've talked about the protests yes. that have happened around around the country, and I've shared that part of that. I don't even call it, it's not a movement. It's people's lives is very proud to be an American, and then also very embarrassed to be an American. But we've seen something recently that makes me very proud as a dad and as a fellow leaf blower owner is to see both dads, this group of dads, yes, and which started out as a group of moms yep. joining these protests. The moms started out joining the protests as barriers. Yes. So we are going to stand in front of, it wasn't just young people, but that's a lot of the protesters out there seem yep. young. We are going to stand in front of yes. these. So you have to come through. You want to get to them, you have to come through us. Now, it sounds weird to talk about the federal government having to come through people to get to somebody oh, else. But that's America, America thing, right. That 
you have to come through us. And sometimes it did. And it was, it was an ugly scene if anybody's seen what's happened in Portland. But it's also been cool to then see this group of dads yes. show up. Leaf blowers in hand. Oh, man. Gas, uh, battery powered, yes. all shapes and sizes come out. And they've learned that leaf blowers are an amazing counter, counter I don't even know action what. Yeah. to tear gas. Yeah. So when these canisters go down and smoke goes up, leaf blowers Here are the, come the dads. of getting that gas up or away it. from the protesters. So good. So we first heard about it. There's a phenomenal piece of journalism in the Washington Post. Um, Marissa Lang is the journalist's name. And she wrote this incredible story about these leaf blower dads. It's so well written. There are parts, I think, that are a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's it's such a great story that she tells about these dads and and how they felt like this was their duty. And one of them even created this leather strap so that he can strap his leaf blower to his to his belt so he can sling it over him it's it's just wild and impressive and i'm here for it and i love it and i this like peak dad peak protest dad or something what i like about it is it it's that i think people struggle with sometimes what can i do Mm -hmm. and they want to do what they are comfortable with yes some of these people aren't going to be comfortable making signs and standing out there for hours and, and doing And some people chants. can't. Right, absolutely. Yeah. But whoever that first person was that went out there yes. started this action and other dads, I'm using air quotes, decided, well, I can do that. Yeah. Like, I can do that. Yeah. Like, that, that protective nature comes out no different than that wall of moms. Yeah. They were out there to protect the protesters. So these weren't necessarily... Their kids, right? But they probably saw that next generation in them and thought, "I've got a leaf blower." Right? Because what dad? What that. suburban dad doesn't they have a leaf have blower? A they probably do. That's they so probably great. have the electric or battery powered one. I don't for even know. Quick, there's different kinds for the quick sidewalk cleanups. Oh my gosh! And then they probably have a gas blower for, for leaves. They're all for leaves. No, sometimes you got to clean up just a quick sidewalk cleanup after you mow. Do we have two leaf blowers? We just have one. Do you wish you had two? I could use. <laughs> I could. I saw. I saw a photo of a guy that had the backpack one. Did you? And and I. That's I, for our backyard. That would. You're I could like, totally do that. This is on my because our backyard okay. is all woods. It is. Yeah. And so during October, November, it is leaf apocalypse. I have not. Right I have not experienced this. I am not particularly looking forward to it because raking is my least favorite. I, so I do not rake. We I just, just leaf blow. Yep. But well, that the what the the backpack one. That's the way to go because then you're not carrying it. So this is. I want to. I'm not going to read the article because I. You should subscribe and uh, to Washington Post and support journalism and pay for that yourself. But I'm gonna. I need to read the the very ending that I read to you the other night. So this, the story of these of these dads in this protest and this the article ends with the reporter sharing that this canister was thrown back, thrown into a crowd of protesters, and someone yelled, "Throw it back!" She says, "A man with a leaf blower strapped to his back snuffed out a lit cigarette and sighed. Well, he said to himself, time to get gassed again. He revved up the machine, adjusted its straps, and marched forward into the gathering fog." I love it. It's so good. This is phenomenal. This is the these are the kinds of stories that will 
I hope, define what's happening right now because it's this very unique situation that's happening, but it shows humanity and it shows support and it shows people doing what they can. I think we should end there because that's that's the tweet. So poetic. That's it. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this podcast. Uh, going back to how we kicked this off, if you want to give us a five-star review, please yes, do that. please do. If you want to be like Kristen's mom and give us a three-star <laughs> review, I guess, Go you know, that's your prerogative. Uh, listen to this wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe. We have a lot of fun with it and hope you join us next time. And as always, Black Lives Matter and wear a damn mask. Thank you.